The Athletic. Totally Football League Show preview edition featuring Robins looking for some home comforts, Derby desperate to defy deductions, Ipswich's pressure cooker and Will Grigg is, if not on fire, at least quietly smouldering. Chuck in a Whitney Houston tribute act and that makes this Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Pound. Hello again, listener. At first today, some good news. You may remember a fortnight ago, we broke the sad story of the Whitney Houston tribute night at Gillingham being cancelled. Uh, it left plenty of people asking, how will I know if the Whitster will be paid homage to at an EFL club in the near future? Well, Mansfield Town have stepped up. On Saturday, the 2nd of October, the Stags will be hosting a Whitney Houston tribute night of their own at the One Call Stadium. Only a tenner. Uh, and once the Whitney wannabes finish running through some of her greatest hits, there'll be a disco till 11.45pm. So if you're in the East Midlands and you want to dance with somebody, you can. Uh, anyway, here with me, Matt Davis-Adams, to look ahead to another weekend of EFL goodness are the man I like to think of as my very own bodyguard, Sam Parkin. Hello, Matthew. Uh, and alongside Sam, if you ask him for his views on the rapid turnover of managers in the EFL, he'll probably say something like, it's not right, but it's OK. It's Ross Embleton. Hi, Ross. Genius. Hello, Matt. Hope you will, mate. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, right, we'll get to previewing the weekend's EFL action soon. But first, some things of note that have happened since we last spoke. Derby's off-the-pitch woes could be set to put a huge obstacle in their way on it. John Percy of the Daily Telegraph reporting that the Rams are in talks with the EFL over an agreed sanction as a result of their financial mishaps. At the moment, it seems a nine-point deduction with a further three points suspended looks the most likely outcome. Uh, Ross, if they do get hit with a nine-point ban, that will be them done, will it? I mean, they've had a pretty good start to the season, but that's a heck of a deficit to overturn. It's an incredible deficit, and I think it's the um, it's the psychological damage that it's going to do to them as well. I think, obviously, it's been a tough summer. They've come into it and started the season in probably a positive fashion in comparison to what they thought might be coming, but um, this could be a real um, a real damage to them, couldn't it? Sam, you've had this before, haven't you, at Luton, playing with a points deduction. You know what it does for the morale of a squad. Yeah, it wasn't good uh, from my experience. That said, I've just scribbled down Rotherham and, and Bournemouth as two examples, I think, during that period who both survived with huge penalties. So it, it can be done. I'm not a fan of retrospective action being taken. I just, you know, the, the, the lads, the squad that they put together uh, and players that have agreed to sign for Wayne Rooney, yes, they're going to be up against it, but they've given themselves a fighting chance with the way they've started the season and with the collection of players that the, the club's been able to put together. So I feel it would be extremely harsh, but, you know, they have to do something, I suppose, the, the governing bodies. Otherwise, you know, people will just run amok. Uh, in other crisis club news, Mike Keegan of the Daily Mail reporting that Oldham have stopped sales of tickets to non-season ticket holders for their next two games and are no longer selling season tickets. This is in response to the pitch invasion protest during Saturday's game that we spoke of on Monday's pod. Uh, there are plans for protests at the away game at Leighton Orient this weekend, which Orient supporters, uh, or some of at least, are, are planning to join in with. This feels a bit short-sighted, Sam. Oldham, one of your old clubs, of course, but this is not the way to get people back on site. It seems remarkable, to be honest. I can't think of another example of a club, especially at that level, essentially turning down people coming through the gates. New supporters, you know, um, 
kids who have got Manchester United, Manchester City, uh, Rochdale, Bolton, all on their doorstep, really. You know, you need those kids following our local side. So they're people that are maybe going to suffer within this as well. If you're, you know, thinking of taking a mate for the first time or your kids' mates for the first time. Um, It seems remarkable, but I think it's in keeping with the noise we've heard coming out of the club the last few weeks that the owner has no real desire to, to sell up but it's a real tough period for them uh, on and off the pitch. So you hope this is only just going to be in the short term and um, the fans can be welcomed back and, and hopefully they can start picking up some results and ultimately they can get what they desire, which is you know a, a new owner at the club. Now, we don't speak much about the Papa John's trophy because it's not very interesting, frankly, but, but this caught my eye, Ross. I don't know about you. Doncaster nil, Rotherham 6 on Tuesday. Doncaster naming seven of the 11 who started the last league game, which was also a defeat to, to Rotherham. We, we often write off results that happen in this competition as irrelevant because of the amount of changes, but it's been a tough start for Richie Wellens anyway. This has got to be a massive concern. I think it will be purely because of what you say there, Matt, in terms of the um, the amount of players and the personnel that you put out on the pitch. You would have been using this game, so many use it for you know the opposite, change it around, give the squad players an opportunity. But he's clearly gone into this one to try to build confidence, try to build some performances to get them back on track. And um, it's, it's backfired, you know. I think it's quite easy to dismiss those games as, you know, we've, we've sampled with something, we've tried something, we've, we've, we've attempted to look at something new. But when you've, um, when you've put out a team that, that reflects something close to, to what you've previously put out or, or could potentially put out at a weekend, it, it does leave you vulnerable, certainly in the position that, that, that they're in at the moment. Yeah, we'll keep a close eye on Doncaster over the next few weeks. Uh, right, we'll get to previewing some championship games after this pause for the course. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. Had enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> paddy power! 18plusbegumbleaware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, The Championship returns after the international break this weekend. There's a Friday night game between Birmingham and Derby at St Andrews, but we're going to start our look ahead with Bristol City versus Preston at Ashton Gate. And Nigel Pearson's side took comfortably in mid-table after their win at Cardiff before the break, but it's this calamitous home run uh, which has got the ostrich accuser under pressure with the Robins faithful. No wins in their last 12 on their own packs. They've lost 10 of those. You have to go all the way back to the end of January for their last victory in front of their own supporters. Uh, Ross, there's a, a tendency to, to overanalyse these kind of runs, but it's got to be a psychological stumbling block at this point for, for the players and the coaches, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think what then starts to happen is you overanalyse it yourselves, don't you? You start to to almost fear that that um, that plan in front of your own fans again, which I'm sure they would have hoped coming into this season would have might have been a little bit of a turnaround for them. You know, people back in, uh, the fans getting behind them and, and, and supporting them to drive them forward, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, the run continues. So, yeah, you, I think the analysis is going to start to run a lot, lot deeper now because, um, you know, they desperately crave a, a positive result at home. 
Uh, Andy Vyman, somebody who's had a good start to the season, twice as many goals this season as he did last and in two fewer games. Is that just down to him being fit consistently? Is he getting better service? Is it the, the partnership with Chris Martin? I think it's, 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 it would probably be a coming together of a number of things, wouldn't it? I think he's obviously a good, you know, good in front of goal, good finisher. Um, and, and those runner games that he's starting to get now, that consistency in the team, consistency back in training, and hopefully a good pre-season that he's had under his, under his belt, that he can be fresh and going into games without the concerns hanging over him of injury repeating itself or reoccurring. So um, I think clearly if you could get a player of his quality on the pitch, you, you, you're going to get the goal return that, that clearly he's started to, to give back already. So it's, um, it's obviously at the other end that they need to... Um, to tighten up in order to, to make the impact of his goals, give him even more of a platform to try to uh, to start that winning run at home again. Preston White, Sam, so far, so-so. Two wins from five. I think Frankie McAvoy will be, be relatively pleased and, and it looks like he might have a couple of players making their debuts this weekend. Josh Murphy on loan from Cardiff and, and Alistair McCann, who's come in from St Johnston. Yeah, no, no, really encouraging um, business that they've done in the last few days. I think um, Ali McCann and... Jason Kerr were the, the stands out for St. Johnston, won two cups last year under Callum Davidson, and they've both, both moved to England during this window. So Kerr to, to Wigan and McCann, as you say, to, to Preston. I'll be really intrigued to see how they get on. Two shining lights, I think, in, in Scottish football in the last year or two. Um, and also Josh Murphy, I think, is a decent pickup from, from Cardiff. McAvoy had him at, at Norwich as his coach, which which I didn't I wasn't aware of. So the, the dynamics changed. He's now the, the gaffer, if you like. But, you know, it's always nice for a player when, you, when you've got someone who knows your attributes so well, as I'm sure he does, and the character. We spoke about it on the pod that there was a dark cloud over Preston about two games into this season. So I think this will encourage the supporters, but also three wins on the spin. And the last victory against Swansea was a complete performance as well. Uh, in my eyes. So this is a difficult opponent for Bristol City, given their wretched home record. Preston won 11 times away from home last year and I always prefer them away from Deepdale. I think they're a good counter-attacking team and they may just have stumbled across uh, across a striker as well in in Jacobson, who five goals already in, in seven games in all comps, didn't hit the ground running last year. Now he's settled. I think that's been the, the obvious piece in their jigsaw that they've been struggling to feel so now real optimism around the place but I don't think you can get too carried away just yet see how they get on on Saturday yeah they're also looking at Connor Wickham he's in on trial at the moment at Preston but Frankie McAvoy non-committal when he spoke about whether they'd sign him in his press conference before this game and let's move on to West Bromwich Albion versus Millwall uh, Albion excellent start on their return to the second tier only behind leaders Fulham on goal difference ahead of uh, the visit of the South London club on Saturday. Not all good news for them though, Sam. Dara O'Shea is going to be out for, for up to six months after fracturing his ankle on island duty. That's led them to bring in Kean Bryan, who was a free agent after leaving Sheffield United. But uh, O'Shea would be a big miss for them. He's got a couple of goals as well this season. Yeah, he's been brilliant. You know, when we were speculating to which of the players would fit into uh, Ismail Valerin's way of playing, um, you know, you wouldn't have said that he would definitely stand up and be one. That would be an automatic pick. But he's been exceptional with and without the ball. And that left side of the back three is their problem position right now with Clark missing uh, as well. So they needed to bring someone in. I think the business has been good again. Jordan Hugill, you think on the face of it, is all action. He, he runs around. He maybe lacks a little bit in guile. 
and not maybe not a an out and out goal scorer, but he will give that side exactly what it needs from the front. And yeah, there's so much to like about them right now. They're, they're averaging the most attempts on goal, um, the most headed attempts, which wouldn't surprise anyone. But also at the other end, they're, they're facing the fewest shots on average. So it's it's good in both boxes. It's been a nine out of 10 start to the season for them, hasn't it? And I'd expect this to be a difficult game because Millwall are one of the sides that can try and... Last year, we had teams that tried to replicate what Barnsley did. And I think Millwall might be a good example of that. Um, where they can play long, I think they and they can um, you know turn the opposition their high line with Jed Wallace's running. So I think this is a difficult game for them, and there'll probably be goals. But I would anticipate West Brom being too strong. Difficult game, Ross. We know Millwall can be a pain on their day. But they had a great start to the season. Beat Blackpool before the break. Yeah, that was their first victory. Any any particular reason you can see as to to why they've struggled a little bit? Not, not, not outright. I think it's uh, as you say, a bit of an, been a bit of an indifferent start. But I agree with Sam there. So it started with thunder a little bit in terms of it's, it, what what Millwall can bring to to games like this at, at the weekend. I think it's um, in terms of the, what you when you look at and weigh up what West Brom are going to be about and what they already are about this season. You can, um, I think, you can go there with that that attitude of a bit of a free hit. So I think in terms of the way that Millwall can turn a game. Uh, into a Millwall type game, I think if they can if they can do that, it will give them a real opportunity to uh, to make an impression up there. So um, I think it'll be a be a fixture that they're embracing um, to to go away to West Brom and, and and try to give it a right good go and 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 give themselves an opportunity to to come away from it. I think obviously they'd be they'd be probably looking right now at, at coming away with a point, but. Um, like I say, I think, I think Sam nailed it really in terms of the way that they can they can turn a game into into a Millwall type fixture can really make it tough for for the opposition, whether that be at home in front of the Millwall crowd or on this occasion away from home. And Millwall might give a debut to Shea Ojo, who's signed on loan from Liverpool. You feel like this is make or break for him, really. He's 24 years old. This is his eighth loan from Liverpool, so he's got to stick at some point. Uh, now, Sam loves it when I spring a quiz on him uh, from nowhere. So here's a little, a little question that I found related to this game. I was looking at the head-to-head record. Last time Millwall won a league game at the Hawthorns, 2001, in the Millwall side that day, was a current Premier League manager. Any idea who it was? Sounds comfortable. Daishi. Yeah. Sean Dyche, correct. Well done. Very good, Sam. Getting better at these quizzes, aren't you? Uh, right, our final championship game right for a preview and is that between the Uniteds of Sheffield and Peterborough at Bramall Lane. Uh, not many would have predicted Posh to have more points and wins than the Blades, uh, but here we are. Uh, this game could see debuts for Robin Olsen, Connor Horahan and Morgan Gibbs-White. Uh, we spoke about this previously, Ross, but but they look like three decent pickups and, and they might be able to revitalise what's looked at a pretty flat Sheffield United side so far. Yeah, and I think the manager's not, not hidden from saying that, as he? They've looked like they've lacked a little bit of quality at times, um, a little bit of craft. And I think, obviously, in terms of the way that he likes to set his team up, teams up to play, in terms of looking at the history of, of the teams he's managed before. So I think those three recruits are a number, obviously, a, a good amount of experience in terms of the players that they've brought in. With Hurahan coming in, obviously, it's a player that knows the league and has got out of it, which I think is um, another big bonus for them. But I think they, like I say, they add that little bit of craft and, and, and quality. I think the other thing as well is obviously Brewster scoring in the week for the under-21s, albeit from the penalty spot, gives them a player coming back from this little break that they've had with um, 
with a little lease of life, I suppose, and a new energy and a little bit of confidence to build on that. So I still feel as though when I, when I look at Sheffield United, they're still in that transition. They're still working their way towards what the manager wants and maybe away from what's got them the success previously. And that's obviously very tough sometimes when you've got a set group of players there to, to try to evolve that. But the free signings, I'm sure, will give them, give them a real opportunity to do so. Yeah, they'll be looking to try and follow the example of that Sunderland side in 06 under Roy Keane, who were 23rd at the end of August and, and ended up getting promoted. Uh, Posh-wise, Sam, decent start, but lost their last two without scoring. I guess they're going to be looking at the, at the Huddersfield blueprint from last month, aren't they, as to, as to how to play Sheffield United at Bramall Lane? Yeah, quite possibly. It's a bit of a head scratcher with with Peterborough because we've spoken for so many seasons about their their firepower and um, you know the I suppose the rhythm that the, the front players have had. They've had that kind of trio of, of front players that have just blew teams away, and it's just not clicking from up front at the moment. They're you know the bottom of the tables in in all the stats at the moment in terms of shots on target, um, etc. Second fewest shots on average across ninety minutes. So they're, they're really struggling in that regard. And they didn't build on that victory against Derby when you feel that would have been an opportunity to get them going in, in the second tier. And when I'm talking about those front players, they've got George Grant now, Dembele, Smodix, Clark Harris, Marriott. They've got so many good options. You think it has to click at some point. So I wouldn't be too deterred. And they put in a good performance last time out against West Brom. But this is another tough test for them against the, the lowest scorers in the division right now. But... I think if you look at it and if you were a betting man, you'd probably say going on form, Sheffield United may nick a really narrow game here. But yeah, I, I would imagine Peterborough, considering the improvements I've seen defensively, will get it right moving forward and be competitive. Uh, well, if you are a betting man or woman, you might be interested in our Paddy Power powered Ackers. Producer Ben's back on board. He's going to get first pick this week. Ben, you've gone for a championship game. Thank you very much, Matt. Yes, well, I'm going to pick Birmingham versus Derby as the match and the draw as the result. That comes in at 11-5. to 5. Uh, These two sides have had five draws out of ten from their combined games this season. Um, they're both coming off draws before the international break. And, of course, I'm not allowed to back Derby for any result ever. So uh, that's why I've gone for the draw. Quite right. Um, I'm choosing from the Championship 2. I'm going to go for under two and a half goals in the game between the two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest and Cardiff on Sunday. Uh, that sounds absolutely nailed on to me, Ben. Is that reflected in the odds? Uh, that will get you four to seven with Paddy Power, Matt. And uh, incidentally, while I'm here, if you're looking for some more odds, Peterborough versus Sheffield United, we were talking about just before. Uh, Posh are four to one to beat the Blades. It's 14 for five for the draw and the Blades are eight to 13 to win. Right, League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Only three games in League One last weekend, but everybody's back this time round. The standout fixture comes at Portman Road. It's Ipswich Town versus Bolton Wanderers. Last time they met was in August 2019, and Ipswich won 5-0 at Bolton on that day. Back here in 2021, the Tractor Boys yet to win in their opening five games. Um, Ross, they started out as one of, if not the favourite for promotion. They've had all this investment it's not happened. I guess it's been a really important two weeks on the training ground for Paul Cook to get these new faces together and spend some some quality time working with them rather than just prepping for games. Incredibly so. Yeah, I think he would have uh, jumped at this opportunity to have had that time with the players. I think obviously he signed Morsey, which is again, when you mention investment, it's another, um, another sign, another recognition of, of that. Obviously, this is a massive game. I'm sure we're going to say this on a number of occasions this year in this league. But to look at Ipswich playing Bolton, I'm sure there's going to be a big crowd there. But it's obviously a concern because I think you look at um, the way Ipswich have started the season, they're scoring. They are scoring. It's not like you're sort of looking and thinking, can't find a goal or they're not creating chances because they are. You know, Macaulay Bond, when he's been in the team, has, has, has taken his chances. Piggott got got a penalty against Wimbledon. I think it's the other end, really, that, 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 that they're going to be concerned about when you look at the two goals they conceded against, uh, against AFC Wimbledon couple of set pieces, you know, that little bit of vulnerability. It's going to be um, a place that a lot of teams are going to go and wait for those moments and wait for those opportunities to come. So I'm sure that would have been on, on Paul Cook's agenda in the last couple of weeks to, to look at shoring them up at the back because, as I say, they do seem to be creating and, 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 and not short of scoring at the other end. Yeah, Ross mentioned Sam Morsi coming in on a perm from Borough. They've also added Bursant Salina on loan as well. Uh, Bolton, Sam, appear to be dealing with the weight of expectation a bit better than, than Ipswich. Just one defeat in 90 minutes for them so far this season. And this is a game where there won't be that much pressure on them, I guess, because of the fact that they're away from home. But but given what we've seen, you wouldn't back against them getting a result. No, I, I think they've had a really good start to the season. Um, anyone that saw Monday night against Burton would would have seen that. I thought they battered them, to be honest, in everything. But the the, the score line um, obviously ended goalless. But no shame in that. I would say Burton's right up there in terms of the best defences in the division, and they had a had a one nil defeat at Cambridge, who again uh, are brilliantly set up without the ball. So no shame in those two results. Uh, Bolton have all of the ball in terms of the, the possession. They're having loads of chances. They're just not converting them at the moment. And if I was being picky, I'd maybe say you'd want another one to compliment Owen Doyle or to rotate with him. You know, Owen Doyle's getting on a little bit now, but 
Now, Russell, no, it's, you can't just handpick someone who's going to give you 25 goals, 20 goals in, in League One. It's not as easy as that. Otherwise, everyone would have two or three of them in their squad. So they have to get the goals from elsewhere. They've got Bakayoko now. Sheehan didn't play on Monday. So I'm not overly concerned about the two recent results. I think they'll come good. Uh, and I think this will be a, a game again where they have more than the ball uh, than Ipswich. But I don't think Ipswich will be too concerned about that. Paul Cook's not adverse to getting the ball forward with... Not direct punts, but with direct good balls, he'll go from back to front. No problem at all if he wants um, to watch the other team, you know, stroking it about. So I think there'll be a nice contrast and there'll probably be goals again. And I'll probably say you're right, Matt. I wouldn't be surprised again if if Bolton get themselves some points. Uh, Sam mentioned the goalless draw between Bolton and Burton on Monday night. Shout out to to the supporters of those two teams who went to that game. They had over 13,000 in, despite the fact that it was on a Monday and on Sky. So well done. Uh, now, we mentioned earlier that Rotherham had a thumping win in the Pizza Cup in midweek. Uh, the Millers are back to their pizza, bread and garlic butter this weekend as they entertain Fleetwood Town. Uh, Sam, debut goal for, for Will Grigg in that spanking of Donny. It's only the, the EFL trophy, but that feels like a significant moment for, for a player who's been a bit short of confidence in recent times. I hope so, because I've probably told this many a time, but I was at Walsall with um, Will for a season and absolutely loved him as a lad um brilliant finisher he's gone on to achieve with all respect more probably in the game than I anticipated just because he was so laid back I thought he'd go and be in a band or something he was like one of those characters um I always felt he was I was never sure if this was the life that he wanted so he for me has done amazing and become a brilliant become a brilliant international player um so I hope this reignites his fire if that's what's been missing but in in truth I think you know I know myself sometimes moves just don't work out for whatever reason I remember Jim McGilton sent it to me at Ipswich when he was pushing me out the door um and maybe that's just been the case for Will up at Sunderland um so I hope this this is the start of a really good period and I'll tell you what he's got good competition there because you know Smith and Ladapo and Grigg that's um, that's pretty fearsome and at that level uh, a team that again you know are right up there at the moment in terms of the shots they're having the, the chances that they're creating and doing the business at the other end they look like they're going to be a force right now I suppose they need to improve at home you know the worst home record in the championship last year um, you know, took more points away from home. So if they can get that right, they're going to be in the top six, no question. Fleetwood looking a bit better in recent weeks. Ross lost their first four in all comps, but unbeaten in three. Uh, they, they taught Leicester's kids a, a lesson in the Papa John's midweek and, and signs that Simon Grayson's stabilising things there. Very much so. Yeah, I think he's... Um, I don't think he would be too you know, too disappointed with the way they've, they've, they've started, the way they've come out the traps. I think, obviously... Couple of good, well, good goal and good chances last week for, for camps. Um, so I think yeah, encouraging in terms of the way that they're um, that the way that they've started the season. I think uh, just going back to Sam's point there on on Rotherham about the competition for places. You obviously the comparison that you put to to Bolton previously about that competition at the top end of the pitch. I think is um, is vitally important and the riches that that Rotherham are going to be able to take this. So I think it's going to be a um, I think it's going to be a really tough. 
tough game for Fleetwood to build on their consistent start. But going back to your original point, I think it's um, it's been something that they would be uh, they'd be relatively pleased with in terms of the way that it's, it's it's come around at the start of the season. Might give a debut to Joe Garner, played under Grayson at Preston, most recently in Cyprus, where he got eight goals in eleven league games for Apoel. Uh, shout out also to Fleetwood defender James Hill, who made his debut for the England under-20s this week. Uh, let's have the League One selection for our Acker, please. Uh, Sam, this is your pick. Yeah, I'm going to go Charlton half-time, full-time to beat um, Cheltenham. I was there at the Valley against Crawley. They put six past them in the Papa John's. A strong Crawley side, actually. Uh, and I just think Nigel Adkins' squad start, starting to take shape in a really positive way. Harry Arter through the door. Ollie Lee scored on that night. Blackett Taylor had a really good game. Lavelle's coming from Morecambe. I think probably the best defender maybe at that level last season. A lot to like. So I just think that this may, may be one of the days where Cheltenham kind of feel the power of better resource clubs in League One, if you like. Ben, what are the odds on that? Well, thank you very much for asking, Matt. Yes, Sam, you will get nine to four for that half-time and full-time Cheltenham winning. Thanks, Ben. Right, League Two's our final port of call. We'll see you there presently. Now, it's not been an easy start to life in the Football League for Sutton United. They had to play their first three league games away from home. Last weekend's match with Colchester called off due to COVID. The club issued a statement on Tuesday explaining that Saturday's game with Stevenage will go ahead as things stand. Uh, Ross, it, it's brutal that all that's happened to them, but but the reality is they're bottom of the EFL and they haven't won. Do you think that they've got what it takes to, to turn it around? Welcome to League Two, eh? And welcome to League Two in the um, in the current circumstances. So uh, it's been brutal. I think the answer to your question is it's going to be really tough. What they would have hoped for Sutton, I'm sure, coming into the league this year would have been like Hartley Paul. Um, little bit in a little bit of a similar boat to how Harrogate were last year home the home ground was such a massive part of Sutton in the National League the 3G pitch the environment that it brought it was a horrible place to go to and I think they probably made the most of that they were a tough team to play against last year which I think sounds obvious when you when you get promoted from from a particular league to a new one but that was a massive part of what they were about and to be able to lose that and have to try to rebuild it and find it again is, is incredibly tough. And then obviously to be hit with this COVID scenario, I don't know how bad it was, but again, you know, you, you have, a, have a little bit of time away, a little bit of trying to build a little bit of togetherness and momentum. It, it makes it really, really difficult. So I am concerned for them because I think looking at the previous fixture against Oldham, they were in the game, looked the more team likely to go on and win it, if you like, but a good point at home would have been lovely for them. And they left themselves really, really exposed, really, really late. And what you know, I, I worry about the damage that that might have done of being so close to picking up your first win in your first home game, and then Oldham go down the other end, as they do so late on, and it, you know that could be a real damaging blow for them to to try to find the win that they're all craving. I'm sure. But at the same time, I know you've referred to a few of the games. They did have a, a positive result in the cup against Palace's under-21. So let's hope that's the kickstart that they need. Yeah, and they have tried to address the lack of goals. They've, they've re-signed Isaac Alaofe. Sorry for butchering your name, Isaac. Uh, on loan from Millwall, he got 14 goals and 37 for Sutton in the National League uh, last season. 
What about Stevenage, Sam? Won their opening two, now four without a win. Feels obvious to say goal scoring is their most obvious problem. They've only managed more than one in a league game once so far. Is that the, the thing that you've identified? I think so, yeah. just They were so brilliant defensively last year. They finished 14th and they had the third best defence in the division, which just seems incredible. So, yeah, they're really tight in that regard. Obviously, Luke Norris has got himself a couple, but you know, I know from, from watching Luke regularly, on his day, he's outstanding and he's a very good team player, but um, he's only contributed four, seven and nine, I think, the last three seasons. So it is an issue. I, I see maybe not as glaring as some of the other teams that have changed their style, but I see Stevenage having a bit more possession this season. Um, it's only a small sample size, but I have noticed that from from looking at the stats and they've been playing that kind of trendy 4 in in some of the games where you've essentially I suppose the fullbacks are often supplying the width so I think it's a slightly different way they're going under Alex Ravel but I think you know he's probably learning on the job uh, making mistakes I'm sure but a good squad you know that's the other thing I've noted a good squad that he's put together at that level Luke Prosser Bruno Andrade Jamie Reid names players that I played against and I really respected in the, in the lower divisions that aren't getting in the team at the moment so a game that Sutton will probably have highlighted on the whiteboard. We should be getting maybe three points here. But again, it's probably, as Ross said when he started his answer, uh, could be another welcome to League Two because I think Stevenage have got the potential to be a good outfit this season. Yeah, only the third ever meeting between the sides. First since the year 2000 in what was then the conference. Uh, Glanford Park, the last stop for us this week. X to make the 500-mile-plus round trip to take on Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe-wise, Ross, one win, three draws, two defeats, about par, given the pre-season predictions that they'd be down there amongst the strugglers, I guess. Yeah, and they'd probably be a little bit content with that, I suppose, you know, as, as much as I'm sure the supporters wouldn't like to hear, hear me or anyone say that, but I think they would do. I think they looked like in pre-season that it was quite a, um, a club that there was a little bit of um, picking up the pieces that needed doing. I think... Um, the fact that they haven't had Loft in the team recently has been a big loss to them. I think they they are. Um, he was very dynamic last year. Not not prolific goal scorer. A little bit like Luke Norris in terms of what Sam's just touched on there. Um, so I think not having him's been been tough. Um, but they'd be missing on a at the weekend after his red card. So that's obviously going to be a tough tough blow for him. And then I think what then starts to happen when you have players coming out the team like that, you then really start to see the quality of people's squads. So. Um, despite that, I think, like you say, they've um, they've they've started okay, and they'll be content with the position that they find themselves in at the moment. Feels like we're talking a lot about teams who aren't scoring enough goals. I put Exeter in that bracket, Sam. Five of them so far, and four came in one game against Bristol Rovers. They, they seem to me to be a kind of nearly but not quite club over the last few years. What, what are they doing not quite right, or what have they got to do to take the next step? It's early days, Matt, when, with regard to them. They've, they've lost a number of players, um, a lot of young players. Bowman's gone as well, who they created a lot of chances for last year. So not only have they lost him, but that aspect of their play's gone because they're playing with Amond and, and Nombe at the moment, which says to me that you've got to play slightly differently because you don't have the, the big target man. Um, I think there's enough quality there. I think Brown's been very good for them. Obviously, I know Matt Jay well. I think there's enough quality there, but they've got to stop drawing games. I think it's eight nil-nils in the last 16 dating back to last season, which seems crazy for 
Exeter, who, who in my mind are kind of the League Two, have been League Two entertainers really over the years. And I remember speaking to Matt Taylor last year about how he wanted to freshen one or two things up. Uh, I think he's got a bigger job on his hands this year. I thought they did plateau a little bit during the last campaign, but yeah, I would I would call for patience there. Bit of time for the midfield to gel. That's a new pairing as well, Taylor and Dieng, and and obviously Amond and, and Nombe should have enough quality in the front areas. Um, glad you brought this one up. This was my final ever goal, Scunthorpe v Exeter. Uh, but Aaron Davies scored one from 40 yards, ex-Forest, Matt, <laughs> in the same game. Um, one of the best goals I've ever, ever been privy to see live. So uh, well done, Aaron. Davies has been stealing your thunder ever since, some would say. <laughs> um, let's, ra- <laughs> let's round off this hacker then. Ross, your pick comes from League Two. Yeah, I'm, um, I think I put myself out there a little bit with this one because I think it'd be a big game. But I think uh, I'm going for Bradford to beat Salford, albeit Salford being at home. I think Bradford need to bounce back. Um, this, they'd be disappointed with their with their result away to Orient, and I think um, it will be it. Uh, like I say, Salford have got the quality in their squad to uh, to win this game or to get something out of this game. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, going to be a tough one for them. So I'm going for Bradford to beat Salford. Ben, Bradford had the far better start, but I guess they're not the favourites in this game. Well, strangely, Matt, and indeed Ross, um, Bradford to beat Salford comes in at 21 to 10, which is basically two to one. Does that make them favourites? Not really, but they're not too far out. All right, well, let's add that to the other selections. What what does that bring the Acker to? Okay, so if we add that 21 to 10 to my draw with Derby versus Birmingham at 11 to 5, you're 4 to 7 for the fewer than 2.5 goals in Forest v Cardiff, and Sam's half-time, full-time Charlton to beat Cheltenham at 9 to 4, Put it all together, that comes in just shy of 50 to 1. Crikey. Uh, Worth a pound, but probably no more than that. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right, we're nearly done for the day. But before we finish, let's go back to the start. Uh, In light of the news that Mansfield are getting in the Whitney Houston Tribute Act, I want to know who in the wide world of the EFL would be the best Tribute Act and which artist would they be performing as? Uh, Ross, I'm going to let you have first go at this. Without any doubt, I would like one of my two or three local clubs, whether that be Orient, whether that be Colchester or Cambridge, if they could put on a madness tribute act, I'd be there in a shop. <laughs> yeah, you could pretty much get any EFL club to fulfil that role, I think. Maybe Oldham at the moment would be good for that too. Um, <laughs> Sam, this feels like something that you're going to really excel at. You're going to have to bear with me here. I've done a, a, yeah, a stars in their eyes. So, Keith Curl... I think the song at Carlisle, or certainly the banner was, uh, whoa, 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 mysterious curl, I want to play 3-5-2. So I want Keith Curl, I think the Oldham fans need to pick me up, don't they? I want Keith Curl doing his best Peter Andre in some kind of water feature uh, up near Oldham. And I'm having um, Neil Warnock and Kevin Blackwell as the rappers, who I'm sure were part of Keith Curl's coaching journey to this point. So I'm having Warnock and Blackwell Shirts off as well in the water feature. I hope no one's eating. It's a lovely image, that. How's uh, that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to haunt Does that dreams. mean that my madness group is made up of Mark Bonner, 
Kenny and, and Kenny Jacket. Yeah, right uh, Kenny Jacket is, <laughs> is Suggs. Yeah, I was going to say Kenny Jacket is definitely Suggs. Uh, that fits quite nicely. <laughs> I went for Warnock too. I'm surprised nobody else thought that he would be the perfect meatloaf. I mean, he kind of looks a bit like him. I think he could do a decent bat out of hell. Um, yeah. Kenny Jacket baggy trousers, Ben saying, which is lovely. I mean, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have to end it there because it's not going to get any better. Uh, Sam and I will be back on Monday. We'll be joined by Adrian Clark and Flo Lloyd Hughes. Uh, do join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, my love is your love and it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.